Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Interverse Podcast. And I mean, I'm always excited about this show, but this time around, I think the topic is more than enough to fuel you through the darkest of winters in terms of inspiration and excitement. So we are going to be talking about, I think, one of the largest solutions to problems in the world that we could ever take part in and participate with. I've said it before, and maybe I'm not the uh, best example of it because I keep myself so busy doing other things that I haven't accomplished a great garden of my own uh, every year. But the the fact is, if everybody that lost their jobs throughout the cooties pandemic or hated the job they had would just maybe stop doing the stuff they hate so much and start growing food, we could probably work our way out of a lot of the messes that society has found itself in. So today we're talking to Jim Gale, a guy I've heard on Crow Triple Seven, Rogue Ways, probably some other shows too. And every time I listen to him talk, I just get fired up with that spark and zest and love for life and passion. And this guy is definitely bringing the thunderbolt of awareness and yeah, just straight up loving energy and that green power. You can find his work at Food Forest Abundance, where he uh, provides installations, blueprints, consultations on how to create your own permaculture installation in your space. And there's a lot to dive into and talk about here. So I want to just get right into it. Welcome, everyone, the jolly green gardener and purveyor of permaculture and gallant guru of food growing, Jim Gale. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. Oh, thank you so much, brother. This is a beautiful thing. I'm very excited and inspired to share this message with everybody who's able to listen, right? And I'm I'm also excited to help people that aren't currently able to hear truth. I'm, I, we, we have to raise that energy, right? We have to help them see past the fear and the programming because that's the problem. On the other side of that is faith and courage and love and joy and the most beautiful future that we can possibly imagine. And it's happening. It's happening on an exponential level. And thankfully, you and I are part of that solution by by sharing this message. Right. When we think about the big differences between us and our ancestors, uh, at least the ones in living memory, the they survived things like the Great Depression because they had such good gardens. They were resilient and healthy and resistant to disease and injury because of the things that they're eating and the lack of maybe pharmaceutical poisons that they're putting into themselves. And so, so the big difference between that time period and now is a technology and B knowledge. So we've replaced knowledge with technology, but if we blended the two together, like you said, the future is just unbelievably bright. If we could bring permaculture ideas that even ancestors didn't quite know about to the passion for gardening, to growing our own food. Man, I don't know what would stop humanity from (laughs) ascending to a heaven on earth, right? Well, nothing. In fact, there's one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world, said Victor Hugo. And how relevant is that, right? It is an idea whose time has come. And this is a great way to frame this show because my friends, I've been obsessed with and then lately joyfully obsessed with, and that is a very intentional switch because it's a vibrational energetic switch you know when a lot of times obsession connotes fear and i was i was in a, co- a place of cognitive dissonance and frustration and fear because i saw very clearly the problem right but i, I didn't see the solution so this idea whose time has come 
then that begs the question, well, what the heck is the idea whose time has come? If that's stronger than all the armies of the world, that's what we need right now, because who is pushing the armies of the world? Well, mind control, which another way to say mind control is what? Governmente. <laughs> Govern means control and mente means mind. And so, if everything is starting in the mind and like the hermetic principle of mentalism is true, then that means government or mind control is control of the entire universe, essentially, not just people. It, it, definitely. There's I think there's I think it's all part of a divine master plan of some kind or at least divine system, maybe not a plan, but a system where the contrast, the friction, the yin and the yang, the good and the bad, the dark and the light without both. We have just a vibrational home. Like that would get kind of, I mean, I love this ride, right? I know. Right. Without the boogeyman, we wouldn't have the like impetus to do better. Exactly. We'd just be sitting there in the Garden of Eden, just, oh man, these days, this is, you know, and we could be creating and manifesting neat things. But there's something about friction and struggle that pushes us to ask new questions and new, and to get new ideas. Right. So this idea whose time has come as far as this physical reality that we're in called Earth and humanity is literally. Now, when I say this, a lot of people are going to immediately shut off because they think I'm talking in religious terms. I am not talking in religious terms. But the seed, the idea, the vision of the Garden of Eden. Everybody understands that vision to, to their own understanding of it. Right. Can you imagine the Garden of Eden right now? <laughs> I, right? I like, you know, you got all those classic art examples and yeah. pictures, but our version of the Garden of Eden could be an entirely new manifestation of that idea. Exactly. Food force everywhere. Like literally when we simply use our land and our assets, our resources and our energy wisely, when we turn these ornamental landscapes that provide no habitat, provide no food, no medicine. And, and just, just it's the biggest mass brainwashing scam of all time is the 50 million acres of lawn in the United States, right? When we turn those into functional landscapes that also provide food, we change the world. We literally reverse mass extinction and deforestation and cancer and heart disease and diabetes and all of the forms of tyranny by using our resources wisely. Man, yeah, there's so much to dive into with that, but... Who the lawns thing. I know that you're a big stickler on talking about why it's so absurd to have all these cut grass lawns. And I couldn't agree more. There's really not much more frustrating or annoying than cutting the lawn 30,000 times every summer. It's just like this exercise in futility, right? Yes, it's a waste of resources. The lawn takes more human energy and more poisons than any other crop. And it provides no food yield, at least not for people, right? So think about how freaking insane when we spend that energy. And, and by the way, a food forest uh, designed and installed right takes less maintenance than a lawn. Have you ever been out in the woods and found a berry bush of any kind or maybe some vines or some grapes or anything that's edible out in the woods? And by the way, you're walking on top of and past it all the time. You just don't know it. And that's part of the scam that is this this kind of good and evil, or another way to say it in a scientific term is unsustainable and sustainable. All unsustainable systems fail, right? And whereas the, the, the proof, the demonstrations 
to create sustainable and regenerative systems are all over the world. We just have to shine a light on those systems. Uh, I think there's a Jesus quote, my people perish for lack of knowledge, something yeah. like that. <laughs> that's so yeah. right on. That's a huge one. The edible foods that we don't even know yeah. about. I, that's a question on my list, actually. So I could maybe just bounce right to it. Cool. What uh, What do you know of native food plants that don't you, know, you wouldn't find in the supermarkets? What are your thoughts on the fact that we have like blueberries, strawberries, grapes, like you have these staples, but there's like 12 of them and the amount of edible yeah. foods and fruits in nature would theoretically be like limitless, right? We would just have to look forever yes. to keep discovering new ones. You, you would. And every time you have two things that, um, you know, create a new thing, then that new thing is a little different. So when you said limitless, it's literally limitless. We, uh, in, in the last 10, 15 years, thanks to technology, the people who are growers all over the world have been putting together lists of different plants and edibles and medicinals that go in every zone. And it's literally, it's like hundreds of thousands of different edibles that they have listed, right? Um, and a lot of people say, well, I live in a cold climate. I live in a dry climate. I live in everywhere that grows food. We even looked at the Arctic tundra and we found three, right? So no, I don't want to live there. <laughs> right. But the, like even in Minnesota, my partner, Chad Johnson, one of the best designers in the world for food forests, he has 300 different species of edible and medicinal plants growing on his property, not far from the tip of Lake Superior. Right. And he has got birds that have never been recorded in the United States, like Russian birds. He's got so many different types of um, so much life on his property. And here's the most magical part. It is expansive by its very nature. In other words, the animals will come into the system. The wind will blow through the system and water will run through the system. And it'll take the plants and the seeds out into um, nature around his area and it'll start planting new things. So these systems are by their, by their very regenerative nature. They're, they're expansive, which means that if that was left, to grow on its own, it would cover the world over a certain amount of thousands of years. Man, this is very, very interesting. Yeah. You mentioned bird species showing up in the guy's garden. Was that something yeah. that he brought or they just appeared? If you build it, they will come. He's got, he's taken note of the different types of species that have never been seen in that kind of um, um what's the word for it? They're just stacked. He's got several acres of high density food forest. He's got these raspberries, raspberry bushes that are probably seven or eight feet tall. And they're so thick that you can't see through them. And they go like a horseshoe around his annual garden beds to keep the moose and the deer out of his bar, out of his annuals. Raspberries. Yeah. 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 Well, Hey, this is a great Another great segue to one of the maybe like higher end, high octane speculation questions I wanted to cool. run by you, because I know that not just is nature expansive by its own accord. That's just what it does when left alone. It just gets better and expands and unfolds. Evolution means unfolding. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I know that you look at things on a, a higher level of possibility and potential than the average person. That's why you're so exciting. I think there's a possibility that missing species extinction, yeah. 
this idea of life somehow being taken off the earth is really like it's a perceptual frequency bandwidth restriction of fear that humanity has cornered itself into where we think there's less and less options of what we can do to survive and how life has to be to be okay. And this narrows our perceptual bandwidth of nature, literally in the sense, just like we look at nature less, we're not even out there as much. We're in the box. So there's old ideas of like, if you leave rotting meat out that the maggots will just spontaneously generate on it. And that like, that's how life emerges. It just, whenever there's something for it to eat or whatever it, it appears or manifests. And I don't claim to know how that process would work if there's any accuracy to those older systems of thought, but I've heard of this happening lately of missing species just showing up uh, previously thought to be extinct as an environment gets healthier. And I wonder if all the life that ever could exist in the infinite spectrum of possibilities always does exist, but it's our frequency bandwidth of what we can perceive that either expands in love and potential or contracts with fear and and doubt and restriction. An example would be in a recent example in the deserts of Arizona, my friend Mitch and many people that work with them have been using Wilhelm Reich based technology, orgone devices to bust the frequency fence and make the, like the cell network 5g, uh, that, that whole lattice work of frequency that things like geoengineering spraying actually operates with in conjunction, they've been neutralizing that or grounding the ether as Benjamin Balderson puts it with the Oregon devices. And it's caused rain the biggest monsoon season of the year of any recorded history in Arizona, just this year, huge monsoon season deserts turning green again in many places and species are coming from out of the mountains down into the the valleys that weren't there before. They even just discovered this, this very bizarre little creature called a triops, which is like almost like a a sand shrimp (laughs) and it has three eyes, which is an interesting symbolism in itself because it's like, it's got a third eye, a triops and it, it's just showing up. And anyway, I'll, I'm thinking that like the future of what is possible for life on earth and the reversal of this so-called mass extinction event, our possibilities are way wilder and more beautiful than what humanity currently accepts to be true. What do you think? I love everything. I'm going to, I want to listen to that from the start again, because I am a complete advocate of the vibrational reality and the resonance and the wavelengths and the bandwidth and all those words you're using. We, we, resonate to our reality we vibrate to our reality and that's i think well i know for certain that's the reason my reality has went from um in every part of my life i remember the thought processes the goals the visualization that i was using during certain parts of my life to get to certain higher states of being right and i'll give you a couple examples i uh in my junior year in high school, I was rated first in the state tournament for wrestling. And I had wrestled this guy, Jerry Martin, five times in a row. And state finals, he wins. The most important match we ever had. I was supposed to win and I lost. And for the next two years, my life sucked because that was my identity. And I was supposed to win. My parents were involved. It was just crazy psychological time for me. And then Um, After about two years, I started letting go. I moved to a different city 
And I started letting go of all that pain. All right. But it was that contrast that pushed me so hard. I didn't give up. And that's what so many people today have done is they've, they don't know a way forward. So they've given up and giving up is, well, just don't do that. If you're, if you're thinking you don't know the way, we're going to share with you the way forward during this show today. So listen with, with your mind as clear as you possibly can, and then start feeling your energy raise, like start feeling your hands. You know, when I start meditating and visualizing, all of a sudden I sense reality at a much deeper level. I can feel my stomach and my heart and my hands. I can hear my heart beating, you know, and I can, the breath is my, my number one tool to bring my awareness back inside. Um, so anyway, I love what you said there about that. And I couldn't agree more. Oh, I want to hear you continue talking about visualization because I, yeah, I'm just, I I'm just thinking back to this morning, my own meditation visualization practice that I've been more consistent with lately than ever before. And what you said about just like feeling your entire body come alive, like that's an expansion of consciousness in and of itself because consciousness is feeling. So yes. man, like let it rip. I want to hear okay. more about visualization, how maybe that's led you from being the wrestling champ, former champ, defeated, downtrodden to this guy that you are now, you know, like let's maybe tell that story as a way to demonstrate how life can be turned around just by holding the vision of okay. what you truly think and feel would be best for your life. Oh, I'd love to. Okay. That's a fun, fun and inspiring story to tell um, because I've had so many ups and downs and so many epiphanies throughout the process. So um, I was going through that. I was big into partying. I was in college. I was just a nut, right? It's just as far as I had one goal. It's just to have fun, right? I had, I was never diagnosed with ADD, but nowadays I'm certain that I would be. And I cherish that ADD. I think ADD is the best gift we could ever give to ourselves and our children because I, to pay attention to the government and what the bullshit that they're trying to teach us. Now, don't get me wrong. It's great to know math and sciences and, and how to speak clearly and articulate. But a lot of that programming is what's causing the ignorance of our society. So anyway. Two years later, um, my wrestling coach gave everybody in the, in the room a document. It was goals. And he described how to fill out our goals. And it was a three-page, very comprehensive goal sheet. And I put it on the counter. I was this Friday evening. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, I don't want to fill out paperwork. I hated the pen and paper back then. And put it on the counter. got really drunk Saturday, partied all day, Sunday, got over the hangover. And then this thing was nagging me of saying, Jim, you got to fill out this paper, right? Because it's for wrestling. So I started writing. It was Sunday night, right around six, seven o'clock at night. And I started writing my goals. Okay. What do I imagine? What can I do with it? And then all of a sudden I started getting into it. I started actually letting my mind relax and just visualizing and telling myself a new story. And that's the big part. I started telling myself a new story. Well, I beat this guy one time. I beat this guy one time. So maybe I could be an All-American. And then that felt good. I'm like, wait a minute, a college All-American. Oh, wow, I like that. Okay, so then, oh, but if I could do this and I could do this, then all of a sudden I built my story up to by the time I was done, which was about two and a half hours later. I've never spent two and a half hours on a paper in my life. By the way. That was <laughs> by far the first, the longest time I've ever spent doing one thing like that. 
I had written that I wanted to be a three-time All-American and national champion, right? So I bring the paper to my coach and Dr. Gary Rushing, love this guy. He helped me a lot in life. And I said, coach, here's my goals. And he he, re- he reads them and he, he sat back in his chair and he said, these goals are kind of lofty, don't you think? And then he proceeded to tell me that goals should be kind of on the edge of my potential, right? Well, th- bullshit, right? <laughs> on the edge of potential is only what your mind can conceive and believe. Like Napoleon Hill said, whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe it can achieve. That's fucking true, everybody. It's true. The and, edge and of I'm, potential is only what your mind can conceive. That is brilliant. Yes, that's exactly right. So, and that leads to what's going on now, which is, I think it, it blows my mind every day. Um, and, and I think it'll blow yours too when I lay it out. It's freaking epic what's happening right now. So anyway, four years later, I ended up being a four-time All-American national champ, inducted in the National Hall of Fame and broke the record at the school for wins. And this is from a guy who was a radical failure relative to everybody else in the room at that time, or most people. Like I was in the bottom half of the success of the people in the room. So it's all it was all about having that inspired vision that pulled me forward, right? And um, so then after that, and jump in anytime. Um, after that, I, my next goal is to see the world. So I moved to Hawaii, lived there for four years. And then after I was in the bar business, restaurant business, had a lot of fun. In fact, Prince, who was one of my favorite artists at the time, was at my bar two New Year's in a row. And I just hey, thought, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I know we was. got some Prince fans and Gemini's in the audience. Yeah. Oh, man, what an epic artist that guy. And, you know, you know when he first said, I'm not going to have a name, I'm going to be a symbol. Um, I was like, what, the, what a dork, right? What, what is he doing? Because... But now I understand that names, any type of spell or spelling, um, it becomes a box from which we see the world instead of what is all around us, which is freaking magical, right? So I understand this idea of naming things like a tree. You walk outside and you see, oh, there's a tree. But if you actually stop and go, wait a minute, if you have a big dose of mushrooms and you see that same tree, it ain't just a tree, right? There's some life there. There's some magic there. So I wrote my goals again. I was 29 and I was pretty much broke. I had a backpack. I was living in Surfer's Paradise, Australia, and I was looking for my next thing. And I was studying the greats. For the first time, I really got into Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar. Uh, Dennis Waitley, The Psychology of Winning, still brings tears to my eyes. Um, Tony Robbins, I was reading the books about the people, the people throughout history who have influenced and changed the world more than any other. And in, in, all these themes came to be um, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich and uh, lately Outwitting the Devil, Napoleon Hill. These are so powerful. So I started writing my goals again, but with this new knowledge. And then I got home and this series of magical events happened, coincidences, which are really cooperative incidences and synchronicities. And three and a half years later, my company did $1.3 billion in sales in an industry I didn't know anything about. And, and, and that was all because of just setting the intention and reverse engineering it, like seeing an outward goal and then, and then backfilling what are the next steps to achieve that goal. And the most important thing by far is to flow with the messages that come from somewhere absolutely epic. 
Wow. I want to continue that story from the point of all that success to then next, eventually getting to permaculture design, but the visualization is really important. And I think I've noticed for a while, I let myself be sort of, uh, I don't want to say corrupted, but discouraged by people that look at the whole law of attraction idea as like culty and foolish. And to a degree, there is something to the the skepticism that's worthwhile in that it's not just about think it and it comes true. There's action required as well. And I will never dispute that. But the reverse engineering thing is key because I've noticed the longer I hold a vision and do practiced visualizations of a certain thing, then like you said, almost out of nowhere, the idea of, well, what's a step between then this and that where I'm at now and that will arise. But if you're not sitting there focusing on it, you can almost just trade out visualizing or manifesting for just like thinking about it (laughs) and letting your mind be open to wander to the solution and it will come. But Another crucial thing about the knowledge that you brought up, like you gain knowledge, uh, you read books, you you found and sought out inspiration. I think the knowledge that where the source of all energy is supplied from in the universe is both in us and we're in it. That I would like start my visualization with rooting myself in the trunk of the tree or as a branch of the tree of life, realizing that I'm not in any way separate from the supply of all love, light, truth, wealth, everything good that I could ever aspire to. I'm connected to intrinsically. And even my life is an extension of it. So like I really focus on that. I uh, bring this light from the trunk of the tree into my whole body and like light up my whole body one section at a time and visually see that and feel it try to feel those parts of my body. And then I get into like, after I've lit my whole self up and felt my whole self as the tree of life itself, then I get into like picturing what I want to be like, what, how strong I want my body to be, what I want to bring in, you know, all of those things. So I feel like it's great because if meditation itself is like a boring idea to you, This is not boring. 20 minutes goes by really fast. You might think like that would be repetitive, boring, whatever, but no, it's fun to imagine and visualize all the things that would be best for you to accomplish, receive, uh, to be, it's really amazing. Like I, I think it's awesome that we're going so far into this as a subject because people maybe need to hear it if they've been discouraged too, by seeing, you know, maybe some people that did seem like abject failure failures who were talking about <laughs> law of attraction because that's out there, but it's key that that doesn't mean the, the idea of imagination or visualization is incorrect. I think everything sources from imagination, the whole, like we said, government, all is mind, that hermetic principle, yeah. mentalism. That means that everything really does start in the mind before there's a chair built. Someone had to picture that chair in their mind. Right. Yeah. And that goes for everything you could ever want to build or bring in. So much, man. What you said is absolutely profound. And that that could be like the paragraph that if in fact, I want to practice the tree of life meditation. I've never done that one. And that is my next meditation. Um, Einstein said, uh, Imagination is more important than knowledge for knowledge tells us what is and imagination tells us what will be like, that's freaking awesome. 
So, um, yeah. So, and by the way, I do want to share too, that in the middle of these successes, there were failures, right? So at the bar, I lost my life savings at that bar business, right? Which was not much money. It was like 25 grand at the time, which I made mostly in the bar business. I put it back in and saved just enough money to travel the world and return home broke. Right. Um, and then after the mortgage company, um, that was pretty much just a rapid success. But then I didn't like it anymore. I didn't want to do loans for people. It didn't feel, you know, a mortgage is a death pledge, which I still am, you know, mortgage. I don't feel that way about mortgages, but it's an interesting concept. And I do, um, there's something about that industry that just did not resonate with me anymore. I, it was at the top of the game. I was living on a boat, getting checks for six figures a month. And I didn't care at all about the money. The money to me was just like, I mean, it was all oh, another check, but it didn't make me feel good. And I was not actually that happy at that time in my life. This is like mid thirties. I was really, I wanted to have a family and I wanted to get married. I um, tried to, to do that with my first, um, you know, fiance, it didn't work out. And it was my, my own discomfort as much as hers that, that, that created that split or that shift. It was my own unsettledness with who I am, right? So then I went through that period and then I found Costa Rica and I got so excited because I was home. I was in the jungle again. And somehow that just the vibration of the jungle, the cicadas, it, it lifted me up and I loved it. And then went through a period of rapid growth. In fact, it was 2008, nine and 10. The economies had just absolutely gotten trashed. I lost tons of dollars, millions and millions of dollars. But then I had this new idea. Let's create a community that is a demonstration model for what's possible. And the first thing we did at this community was we bought thousands of fruit trees. We put them all over the place. Right? And I'm still so proud of that action. And that has led me to where I am today. And that community was the fastest growing community in the country of Costa Rica for about two years running. And then the Costa Rican government came in. And they shut us down saying that we had environmental infractions. And at the same time as they said that, they sent one of their henchmen to us and said, hey, $20,000. Well, what are you talking about? 20000 bucks, and we'll let you keep doing business, right? So. Good old go mafia shit. <laughs> mafia shit, right? It was, yeah, that's and, what I just tell people all the time. Like government technically is the armed gang or mafia that people are afraid would take over if there was no government. That's actually what it is. <laughs> it is the mafia. It absolutely is. And we can go into the history of that. I mean, it's very clear when you unpack the history of it. So we fought them. Most people just paid the money. We fought them and we won. And that guy that created the document that was the barrier to where the jungle started and where we could develop, he was our primary witness. We crushed him. And, and then we won three rounds in court. They were not allowed to visit our property anymore. And so we were free of that. But it was 2012 and they shut us down right in the most incredible time. So a court-appointed actuary said that we are owed $28 million from the government. We haven't got that money yet. And I don't know if we ever will. Their government, unfortunately, has went total uh, mandates, total communism, pretty much. And so... Um, I love the country. I married a coach. I love everything about it, but the government needs a radical overhaul. 
That's so weird that government could be that way in a place like that, because I visited Costa Rica one time and the people are just so earthy and, and happy and fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like a party central. I mean, not in a degradatory sense. It's just everything is paradise practically. I mean, maybe if you go into some of the urban centers, it gets ugly, but yeah. r- rurally I, there's mangoes just fill in the gutters. You can't even turn around without finding some fruit to eat. So it seems like a great thing. And that would just late take the press. Most of the pressure of life is either surviving the elements or finding something to eat. So in a place like that, you're pretty much set on both of those things. You're pretty much set. Now, Costa Rica, I recently learned, uses more poisons per hectare than just about any Central American country or any such American country. Um, and, and why is that? Because the same globalists, the same cabal, um, have radically infiltrated Costa Rica. They've paid millions of dollars, built them stadiums, bought all their police cars. Of course, they're gonna do that, right? They wanna control their arm of force within the community. And so that's how they do it. And um, the mandates for kids thing is the part that just makes me sick. And I do wanna get into this, I'm aware uh, like I'm inspired and I, I, I know that we're going to come through this, but I'm also aware that there are people suffering radically more than any time in history as a percentage of our population. There are kids being killed. I'm aware of all this horrible stuff. What helps me see past that is two things. One is I know that we're more than this. This is just a temporary situation, right? I, I'm, I'm living a Jim Gill experience, but I am a bigger thing living this smaller thing experience. So with that in mind, I know everybody else is too. And that when we're going to pop out of this body and be like, oh my God, what a fucking ride that was, right? Right. Yes. Let's go That's again. One thing. Let's go again, man. Did we win it this time? Oh shit. It's like Mario. Okay. No, we got it. We, we didn't jump over that dragon at the right time. <laughs> right. So the other thing is that there's no amount of pain and suffering that I can feel that can help anybody do anything. Right. Man, I just got to pause you there. This is so clutch because I've been, I won't say struggling, but just like weighing it over in my mind lately. Is it okay to just like leap from mountaintop to mountaintop or do I need to go down to the valley sometimes? And I like, am I limiting myself by not going into the valley of, of sadness and swamp of sorrows? And I think maybe it's all right to just jump from mountaintop to mountaintop if you've got the, if you got the ups. Because like you just said, that that was the key phrase that I needed to hear. It doesn't help anybody else to, for me to like be in depression and sorrow. Absolutely. Right. Because it's our energy. And and David Hawkins, uh, Dr. PhD, MD, uh, he was in charge of like the biggest hospital in the world and he got enlightened. Right. And by the way, this idea of enlightened, it's a very metaphysical. What the hell does that even mean? Right. To me, it just means being in the present and being with source, feeling the energy and somehow from some epic place, these ideas, these inspirations, right, inspiration or this entheosiasm, this feeling, somehow these ideas come. Um, So anyway, uh, in Power Versus Force and I and the Eye of the Eye, he writes about how our emotional states are directly tied to our vibrational energy to our resonance. Like Tesla said the same thing. If you want to change the future, think in in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. So 
Um, so that's why in his book, he talks about one avatar um, vibrating at a level of enlightenment can affect the whole world, right? So our, our joyful duty of this life is to raise our vibration. Oh man, I'm yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I've just been like really noticing this year, especially how when I set healthier boundaries for myself about what I will and won't do based on how it makes me feel. And like instead of putting my nose to the grindstone till I've worn off all my skin and I'm just like a walking skeleton, yeah. uh, taking the time to just charge, recharge, relax, health first, take a nap, whatever it is things come to me the like i work less hard in the sense of it hurts less but i'm still just as productive and like in the time where i do set myself to a task it's it happens quicker and easier so it's just everything comes down to your personal energy and if the universe is nothing but frequency and vibration and energy and that's what everything really is underneath the perceptual illusion of the 3d consensus yeah. dream reality yeah. then the only thing you even have any control or responsibility over at all is your vibe and so you yeah. manage that only worry about managing that and the rest of the world takes care of itself too because you're taking care of self so self is taken care of and yeah. all is self oh that is so true and it manifests so directly in our lives like when i feel shitty i experience shitty things it's just, it, and, I, and I'm so hyper aware of this now. And um, it was about nine months ago when I was walking. I remember the moment I was walking down the sidewalk and I was in this period where I had went from zero to about $20 million in net worth down to about negative 80,000, right? Um, and I had no income. I had, well, there's one thing I did have and it, it happened at this moment is faith. I let go of all fear at this one for day. I remember walking down the sidewalk and I was breathing and I was saying, okay. And I was in this, this weird struggle and, and this discomfort in my body, this dis-ease, right? Which always turns to disease over time if you don't nip it. Um, and all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have faith. I'm just going to go full speed in faith. I'm going to trust these amazing teachers, you know, Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks, and all of the rest of them that have been saying the same thing forever. I'm going to fully trust it for the first time in my life, um, or maybe the third or fourth time in my life, depends on how you look at it. Um, and since then, it's been the most magical ride. And this ride is leading to a major transition in our world. And it's because I let the mind go. And I just started saying, okay, I know the next step will make itself apparent to me. People say, are you going to write down all your plans and write? You know what? No, um, I'm going to reverse engineer based on the intention that I've set. And that is to help manifest, to do everything in my power to catalyze a shift in consciousness leading to mass adoption of the most logical and beneficial thing we could do for our planet. And that is become free of governmente and to be self-reliant on an individual and a family and a local level. And then the next step is the next question in the reverse engineering process is how, how do we do that? And that's what is rapidly going global right now. 
Food forest. Yeah. Let's segue into that. You know, we've gone through a lot of your story. <laughs> you went from 80,000 in the hole to basically doing that enlightened being vibrating a change into the entire world thing. So man, it's awesome. I mean, we should yeah. definitely talk more about food in the next 20 minutes of the free hour. Just so, cause we've got into some great tangents, which I think the inspiration is the most important energy to bring to people. But we also want to make them aware of this very real solution that we could all be participating in. And the more of us that do the faster the shift. Yes. And inspired action. So our company, then we launched, um, I, I wrote, I had this inspired idea to, and by the way, you know, enlightened, I'm just a normal guy. I like, I like having fun. I do all that stuff. I'm no different than anybody else other than maybe one thing is I'm just happy. I chill the hell out. I do a shitload of meditation every day, multiple times a day. Maybe there's nothing much more to enlightenment than that. And it's a spectrum, but yes. what you just described to me sounds like there's some light in you enlightened all yeah. around. Oh, I feel it for certain. I feel it and I'm thankful for it. Um, so we, I wrote a, a letter to Del Baytree. Um, Del Baytree, he, he runs a high wire. He's a, one of my favorite people in the world. He's a, he's a, a strong minded patriot and so courageous. And, um, and then we are at a time when I, I think that we only have two choices, fear or courage, right? Fear or faith, right? So I think we just jump into courage and then the, the world changes like that. It, my world has. So I wrote him this letter. He read it. He said, oh my God, you got something here. Um, in April, the show launched on the high wire that uh, Dr. Zach Bush was in front of me. Uh, it, it was a two hour show. And then at the end was my segment, 33 minutes of the solutions to the biggest problems, to all the problems of our world. And since then, we are now helping people grow food in 15, 16, maybe 17 countries now. We just added Portugal yesterday, and we are exploding our cooperative business network around the world. And so here's the process. Let's say somebody says, I want to grow food at my house, right? And we inspire them by showing them, by demonstrating how relatively easy that is and how beneficial it is on every level to do that. Then the next step is they get what we call a food forest landscape blueprint. And that is simply a blueprint of your yard with all perennial edibles and some annuals. And I'll real quickly, the perennials are plants that you can plant once and they typically last for generations, even thousands of years. Um, in fact, the Amazon rainforest was a designed food forest 5,000 years ago. I wanna talk more about that. Maybe that's yeah. an hour two topic. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, sounds good. Um, and if anybody wants to or doesn't believe that, I think that's crazy because it sounds kind of crazy. Go look up Google Amazon rainforest, a designed food forest. And it's right there. Um, so um, where was I? You went on the high wire. You started yes. expanding yes. and putting all that past experience in businesses that maybe weren't inspiring in terms of like, you know, you're doing mortgage stuff, but the acumen to make this network grow and thrive, just like the, the food forests are thriving that are getting planted. I think that that's a cool metaphor that you're probably designing the company in a permaculture business model too, if I had to guess. Oh God, exactly. The 12 principles of permaculture are the best business model that you could ever have. Um, it's regenerative capitalism. And that's what we've created. In fact, a little segue I actually spent so many years putting, struggling this idea into being 
I created fancy greenhouses that were like $50,000 greenhouses, but they were pretty cool. I mean, they were aquaponics and hydroponics and microgreens and um, biogas and dehydration all within one greenhouse. It's a badass idea, but it's not the best idea. The best idea is building soil and it's mimicking nature, mimicking what already is, is proven to exist everywhere, right? So that's, so I, I started with a, um, a, 244 page FDD, a federal or franchise disclosure document and an 89 page operations manual. I, I, it made me sick. I threw it in the trash because every line in there represented control or fear. And so our contract now with our food forest cooperative network, which is similar to a franchise, except for without all the BS is two pages. And we speak to the voluntary exchange of value. And it's the best business model that I can imagine in the world right now. And, you know, in the franchise world, if you can work your business for two years and then franchise it, and then in the next year, sell four franchises, you're doing great. Well, we sold 15 franchises last month. Um, we sold 60 in the last six months. It's going epic. And they're called cooperatives for that reason, because we're keeping it separate from the regulatory system. Um, so if anybody wants to either grow food at their at their property, you can do it by going online and you can learn how to do it. And it's a wonderful learning process. Or if you want to speed up time, you can get a hold of us and one of our food forest professional designers will design your yard. And then the next step, and this is how it's scaling, is if you want to be in this business of helping people grow food and be free and healthy and save money and all those things then that's our business. It's like a landscaping business. It is a landscaping business. It's just a very functional landscaping business. The feng shui of the garden in yes. the sense of like real energetic balance and flow big time. Yeah. Yeah. I've just so many questions, but <laughs> how much learning it. or experience or training is needed to franchise with you and take up that <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, draw your sword for, <laughs> but now I'm thinking like your spade. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, oh my gosh. You know, it's funny. 10 years ago, we created a website. We never followed through on it, but it was uh, to, to, for all the soldiers in the world to drop their guns and pick up shovels, drop their bullets and pick up seeds and then start planning. And if they did that in one day's military budget around the world, if they did that, we would have the Garden of Eden automatically. Like that's, that's the insane use of resources that our, our, our mind control entities have created. Um, so uh, we had um, one of our first cooperatives who joined us. Her name is Trish. She, she was traveling and living out of her, you know, different places and probably six places in six months. She just finished her fourth food forest install, never gardened in her life, right? And she is now, she has now been moved back to Hawaii with her new knowledge. And now she's operating a food forest farm there and she's running the food forest cooperative out of her new place in Hawaii. You don't have to have any experience. And the reason why is because part of our cooperative package is a 54 hour training class. That is Jeff Lawton and Bill Mollison, two of my heroes. Uh, Bill Mollison is one of the founders of permaculture. Jeff Lawton is one of the most popular advocates nowadays out online. And uh, we give that class, plus we have a whole network of support on multiple levels. And then this is the most important part is our designers design what we call a food forest blueprint, a landscape blueprint. And it's a 45 page document 
Within the document is the individual's food forest design. So it literally layers the layers of mulch and soil and all that. And then um, it, it says exactly what plants go where. So if you can follow a relatively simple blueprint, you can install a food forest. Yeah. So it's <laughs> low experience. This is great. My, my history with gardening is kind of traditional methods and, you know, you get your pests or invaders, you get, uh, <laughs> my dog is constantly digging up my stuff. So that's a separate issue, but you know, like raised beds and just a simple rows layout, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so I would love to talk about maybe an example of some of your favorite layouts for yeah. a food forest that awesome. someone could easily start to visualize in their yard space. Yeah, I love it. So everything you talked about, the rows and the monocultures and the way it's being done now. In fact, Bill Molson said the agriculture taught uh, over the last 50, 60 years was the most destructive practice in the history of our society, right? Because it's absolutely not natural. Um, these monocultures are what causes the plagues and the soil degradation. And then, of course, the poisoning and the mining is, is all it's all basically creating a food supply nightmare. In the short term, I believe. In the long term, I know that we have to make this switch from consumers to also being producers. So I'll give you two examples of food forests that are right here around my house. One is at Golf's Landing, where we are building a completely off-grid community that's going to have all of the food, water, and energy needs met on site. It's 52 acres on a private lake with a runway on the east coast of the property. And we planted our first food forest there, a little patch, 700 square feet on the ground with about 55 different plants in this patch, right? And it's layered. It's got the roots and tubers, the sweet potato vines all over the ground, longevity spinach all over the ground, and then um, turmeric and ginger roots and tubers. And then as you go up, we get the blueberries and um, well, about 30 different species of plants growing in this 700 square foot area. The first two months, we spent maybe an hour every two weeks making sure the root balls were watered and they were getting established, right? When you first plant a food forest, for the first year, it's just a bunch of sticks and twigs. It doesn't look like much. Within the next year, it'll probably three to four times in volume. And then by the third year, you're getting a really nice yield. By the fourth and fifth year, you've got a jungle of food, right? So after the first couple of months, we have done nothing in the last like 14 months, except for we cut a trail through the middle of it because it was so dense and we, everything is thriving. So zero maintenance in the last over a year and it's thriving, right? And that's one food forest. And that, it, it doesn't look like a landscape. It's not a landscape food forest. It's just a food forest. Right. That'd be the good, a good thing to have maybe on the edge of your property. If you've got some woods, this is the type of system you put in there where you don't worry about maintaining it, just like you don't maintain the woods. Nature doesn't. My, my partner, on the other hand, Dr. Ian Scott, his food forest is in his backyard. He's got a tenth of an acre. And in his food forest, he's got 63 different species of edible and medicinal plants, epic beauty birds and butterflies and life and his kids kids run outside and every time they run outside they come home you know with you know berries and peaches and all the different foods in their mouth and in their hands it's absolutely paradise on a tenth of an acre right and his food forest i asked him how much do you work in your food forest he says oh about half an hour a day i said ian how much do you work 
in your food for us. He goes, oh, never. <laughs> and, yeah, so the half like, hour is just like the joy of going and picking some fruits and, and edibles. Like I was just imagining how fun it must be for children to run around in nature and just eat berries. Like that's got to be a huge blast for, yeah. for the kiddos. Absolutely. The Garden of Eden everywhere, food forest everywhere is the next logical step for our society. And when you're out in, in nature and there's food growing, doesn't it taste better? And it, it literally does. Like it's more nutrient dense and it's more tasty when it's vine ripened. Fruit and vegetables that way. Like uh, one thing I've grown a bunch of in my life is broccoli and people don't always like raw broccoli, but raw broccoli immediately off after harvest is so good. It's not like dried out, like it's been in the fridge for too long or uh, too hard or anything. there's just like a very delicious extra amount of life force energy that comes out of this straight from the garden. So, yeah, I mean, it's not just that now you have food security if you do this, it's that the food you're eating is still holding more life force energy than if it's been on the shelf at the supermarket and driven across the country and put on a boat and all of that stuff. You nailed it. There's some types of spinach that within 24 hours of being cut, they lose 94% of their vitality, their ascorbic acid, right? And their enzymes and things like it's a big deal to have vine ripened food. Now take this out and imagine a society this way where you go outside and there's just food ripe for your picking. Now, I know if you live in a cold zone, you're thinking something different, but just play with me for a little bit on this one. You go outside and you eat that food. What's it going to do to your body? We're not going to need medicine. This whole idea of medicine, especially allopathic poisonous stuff, it's, it's not in a, in a sane society. There's no everything we eat. In fact, Hippocrates said, let thy food be thy medicine. Let thy medicine be thy food. That's how it should be. Yeah, there's just no, uh, there's no way around that. I mean, that's just a fact. Maybe sometimes it'd be all right to, they even say in like Chinese medicine that food in the fridge or freezing food hurts the chi. And I I don't know about that, but this is maybe a tangent, but have you ever looked into curly and photography? Oh, yes. Or a photography. This is something I really want to add to my toolkit of technology at some point, the ability to do curly and photography. Cause I think it would pair nicely with some of the, like I do sound healing for people with tuning forks and I call it like aura technician. And right now my method of measuring how effective what I've done is, is I use dowsing rods, but I'd really like to bring curly and photography. in so I could show people what their voltage looks like visually. And it'd be really interesting to be able to like take a photograph of a food forest on curly photography. It'd probably just be like a giant beacon of flaming, shining light. Oh, dude, that's fantastic. More people need to do that and expose that reality to the world. Um, one of the things I'm working on, and I have not got it figured out yet, and it's been kind of with me my whole life as a wrestler, I did a lot of cutting weight. I had a lot of games with food. My junior year, I cut way too much weight. And it, it, that was part of my illness, my dis-ease within this whole wrestling community. Otherwise, I loved every bit of it. Um, but I still don't eat perfect. And um, imperfect might even be a stretch, but I, I know I can do way better because when I do eat healthy living foods, I feel freaking a whole new energy of vibration. And I don't eat anything poisonous. That's the one thing that I've, I've 
put, taken out of my system is all the poisons. We have no poisonous food in the house. Um, now there's things that are more toxic and less toxic still. There's still breads that have like deterious negative consequences. And there's still things in here, but it keeps getting better every year. And that's what I'm going to be demonstrating at Goss Landing. We're actually building a studio on our property and I'm going to use my home and my property as a stage to demonstrate what this type of life is like. Because most people think living off grid means an outhouse in the woods. We're going to show, no, it's the most ultimate luxury that you could ever have. Man, and then like once you've got the food forest going and that's providing, how much does it cost to constantly? I, I know it depends on where you live and people will put this out there as like, this is why I don't buy organic. It's too expensive. I years ago made the decision that I would just buy only organic regardless of what it costs. And then from there, I would always be able to get better at reducing the cost, but that my baseline belief system of like what the resources I need to acquire non-poisonous food would be that baseline or the bar would be set at whatever it is for organic food. So cheap food does not, doesn't exist for me. This is just what food costs. This other stuff isn't even food. Right. Right. And that's part of like, also, you know, whatever the bar you set for yourself is what you'll receive or what you'll accomplish. So sometimes it's good to set the bar low with things like, just tell yourself, if I get into the gym today, that's a win. Or if I write five sentences in my journal, that's a win. That way you're not putting pressure on yourself to do something and hurting your chances of doing it with the pressure. But with another, on another side of the coin with like food, you want the belief to be there that not only can you get the non-toxic organic food, but that it's a priority above other uses of your resource. It's like um, in the idea of entrepreneurial life that you got to pay yourself first, <laughs> but, and, and then let the other stuff sort itself out, creatively solve the problems. But with buying food, that's healthy, that's paying yourself before you, you know, buy the, the frills that may or may not be necessary anyway. But Jim, we've got like two minutes in the first hour okay. and we don't have to stick to that harshly, but I'd like to round out the conversation. Yeah. Like if there's any thoughts that you want to finish for the free hour, or you want to throw anything out there that we could okay. hold on to in our minds to go into hour two, that'd be great. But for sure, at the end of the free hour, let's let everyone know how to contact you, your website, any other resources or links or things you want to just express before we, we finish up the first part. All right. I love Thanks it. for being can, here, man. This has been uh, so fun. I love this, buddy. I'm so happy to be here. And I just like to share that our, our, um, responsibility, our ability to respond is to our own selves first, right? And so start loving yourself. And I know that sounds cliche, but no, it's not. Start actually making lists of positive things in your life. Start writing down the things that you've done well in your life. Don't worry about the things that you failed at, right? Those are teaching lessons. Turn those into the most valuable lessons of your life and say, thank you for those lessons. Thank you for that asshole who slapped me or who did something bad to me or who stole from me or who tried to harm me, right? That person is now in my past. And then this is important too. understand what a timeline is. And if you see your future or your past, I mean, out in front of you, then turn that like literally grab that timeline and turn it and put it behind you. And now have the future in front of you in your timeline, in your mind's eye. And then create a compelling vision of your own life, of your own self 
in the future, right? Use that negative picture as your motivation to move away from and towards. These are so profound tools of psychology. And so that's where you start. And then plant seeds, my friends, and start serving. This is the ultimate selfishness is when you're serving humanity in a way that also it's good for everybody and it's good for you. Like this is what regenerative capitalism is all about, the voluntary exchange of value. So start adding value and then the value will come back to you like a mirror. It's, it's absolutely magical. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let them know your websites too, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, uh, foodforestabundance.com. You can, um, that's, we're everywhere now. Food Forest Abundance, we're on all sorts of platforms and we're getting on all of them, especially the free speech ones here very soon. So foodforest1rabundance.com or gym at foodforestabundance.com. Yeah, and I'll say you're, you're real accessible and real enthusiastic and we're lucky to have you spreading this message in our circles. Really excited about it. Uh, multiple people before, like I already knew I wanted to talk to you someday, but multiple people were like, you got to talk to Jim. So that, awesome. <laughs> that awesome. got me going and awesome, uh, it's buddy. great. This is w one of my favorite conversations in a long time. And we got a whole nother hour on the other side. So thanks so much for being here, man. And look forward to continuing further on the Rockfin Patreon side. Awesome. Wow. I think that I could not really be more excited about Jim Gale. I knew that he was going to be like Liddy Kitty, as in just super fired up and super friendly. He was all the above, but the dude's got knowledge. The dude's got crazy, crazy experience with all the things that he's been a part of building and manifesting in his life. Definitely, definitely cool. Uh, particularly enjoyed how we got into talking about visualization. That was a big one for me because it's just fitting with where I'm at right now, wanting to do more visualization myself and achieving that. Actually, it's been great to integrate into my daily meditation practice. I've kind of been doing the same thing with meditation for a long time, as in just sitting and breathing and not really seeing much, just really focused on rooting in the breath and in the body. So it's good to evolve my practice or take on something else because I feel like I've definitely mastered the just sitting and breathing part. Uh, it's like it's like learning to sing and play the guitar at the same time, doing a visualization while keeping the breath in the right rhythm. And it's definitely worth doing. I find that my mental pictures are getting more clear. So Check that out <laughs> yourself. See if it's good for you. I don't care whether or not there's like a real law of attraction or something like that. I'm not making any promises to you about what visualization will achieve, but I do think that it will help your imagination and everything comes to the imagination. So practicing imagination and being in tune with it, in touch with it, riding that dragon as much as you can is going to be beneficial across the board for your life. I will claim that. And other than that, you know, I'm not saying you're going to win the lottery. Maybe you wouldn't want to. <laughs> oh, man. So the second hour of the conversation was really good, too. Uh, first, did I say thanks, Jim Gale? I'm still so stoked on him. Thanks, dude. Thanks for coming on. He hustles. He gets out there to a lot of shows and big, big or small. He brings the same vibrant energy to all of them. Mega appreciate that. And his food forest abundance idea is brilliant. Definitely check out the show notes for a link to that. 
in the plus extension though, which you can find on Rockfin or Patreon. Rockfin R O K F I N slash or R O K F I N dot com slash interverse <laughs> or Patreon P A T R E O N dot com slash interverse. Do you really need me to, like is this just an old thing that radio people do? Does anyone actually need me to go spell it when it's obviously going to be linked all over the place on everything I do? I don't know. Maybe it's like spelling <laughs> when I'm spelling it out. I'm not trying to spell cast on you to get you to do it, but it isn't that expensive and it's a great deal. Second hour of all the shows I do for five bucks a month on Patreon or 10 from Rockfin, but on Rockfin, there's the opportunity to sit on live streams when we get into hour two after the YouTube uh, version cuts off. There's, of course, all the other creators that do primo content on Rockfin, some of which are only premium, some are free. But either way, whenever you give the $10 a month to the network, it's getting split up amongst the creators that you actually watch. It's a good deal. It's way more profitable than the $0 I've ever received from YouTube and even better than Patreon, which I've been on for months. So speaking from experience anyway, as one creator, it's good for the creators if you go the Rockfin route. Patreon's not bad. It's got the uh, advantage of an RSS feed that you can plug in to your podcast listening app of choice. But the Rockfin version, I make sure to put up audio only if you're into that. You just have to go navigate to it. And the functionality of the Rockfin app is getting better, I think. I just noticed the other day, or maybe a couple of weeks ago, that it now remembers the place that I was at on a video when I go back to it. So maybe next they'll add the feature of just being able to jump straight to your history of channels. I think that it'll get closer to being YouTube level functionality as it goes on, because it seems like the network's doing well. Like I said, they're actually making improvements to the app. YouTube doesn't do that. Patreon definitely doesn't do that. They just take your money and who knows what's going on with, with the money that they're getting. So Rockfin definitely giving cash to the creators, at least video game money. And theoretically that's going to always be convertible to monopoly money. <laughs> it's all silly anyway. So, right. That was a big push to see if you guys are interested in supporting me. I hope you are. And if you do jump into hour two or you just listen to it, then you also were really stoked to hear about all the amazing people who've come on board with Jim's mission, including some other forms of multimedia that might get created out of it. Um, and you know what? All this stuff, I want to just back up a little further. All this stuff that Jim talks about in the plus hour, I'm not trying to paywall you from some crucial information. It's good information and it's inspiring, but I'm sure you can hear it elsewhere on shows that are totally free Him talking about some of the things he talks about. Maybe the upside of subscribing to my plus stuff is that you hear what I think about it. I don't know. I assume you're here because you like me generally. I hope. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's Leo rising. Like, do you like me? <laughs> uh, so anyway, continuing on the plus hour, we talked about the idea of enlightened selfishness to save the world. I love harping on the importance of individuality and harping isn't the right word. Just championing that all about getting the words right. <laughs> We also talked about the regenerative capitalism idea and the 12 permaculture principles. Yeah, that was a big one. That was cool to go through. I want to listen to that again. And I will when this premieres. I'll listen and hang out in the chat with everybody. Uh, I also asked him about the controlled demolition of the economy and the government. Like, what is going on? What do you think? Why is that happening <laughs> in the reality fractal? Definitely got more spiritual in that section than maybe you would expect. Or maybe you would expect us to get spiritual based on how very like divine the presence is from Mr. Jim Gale. 
And then near the end, I asked him about his thoughts on crypto, if that's a part of his vision for the future. And he had a very interesting answer to that, uh, an idea that I think could possibly help us uh, swim, not sink in the new shifting tides and seas of commerce and all that as they're seemingly kind of falling apart. And so, yeah, I really do support James' mission. I'd love to talk to him again. I will be remembering the from the food forest abundance website, almost forgot it. <laughs> Mental sticky note. Let me just plug that in right here. Remember food forest abundance. Whenever you're going to set up your next garden, I definitely am setting the vision and intention to get a blueprint from them and work on that. That sounds awesome. I've got the yard space for it. And right. When I leave it behind, that would be a huge selling point to me. As if I was like going to buy a house, there's a food forest here. Holy shit. So you're, <laughs> it's like killing two birds with one stone. You don't have to mow a lawn and you get free food all the time. I think, yes, I think, yes, really, really cool. So I want to do that for my own life. I'd love to hear about people's food forest experiences who are listening right now. If that's something you're doing, or if you're going to go on the journey, of course, the best place to talk to me is through telegram. Again, like all the other stuff linked in the show notes, Telegram is where the party is at. The Interverse group is over 370 members, and it's not as crazy as that sounds. No one's like all talking at once. We seem to keep it at a pace that's quite manageable for how many people there are. There's a lot of respect for other people's time and attention, I notice, from the members of that group chat. It's like a live stream chat that never ends. And instead of Googling something for info on it, you can ask the group grouping it instead of Googling it <laughs> and get way more thoughtful answers than from a machine that can't think, <laughs> can't feel the Borg. Yeah. Google's dead anyway on so many levels. Right. So Telegram, super fun there. We also are still doing Vibrant episodes. Uh, I'm posting those to the RSS feed for those of you who just listen to RSS feed so you can still tune in if you really don't want to go check out a video version, but it is free to watch the video and it's Wednesday night at 8 PM central. Every time I noticed that the same people that have been coming to watch it live, keep coming. So it's obviously pretty fun. And there's interactivity as an option. Of course, ask your questions to the people on the stage, me and my guests or guests, or even call in on the most recent one. We just shared like 30 astrology memes and that was pretty funny. So Come hang out in the more casual tribe centric thing that we do. Vibrant Wednesday night, 8 PM central. And uh, doing a lot of podcast guest spots on other people's shows. If there's a show you like that you think would be cool to have me on, I'd love to do it. I'm definitely feeling like getting out there and it's been fun and you never know what's going to come up in the conversation. Pretty soon, watch out for this, probably within a couple of days of when I release this episode here with Jim, on our friend Benjamin Balderson, the heathen wizard alchemist, his Rockfin channel, and it'll probably have like a portion air on YouTube as well. So Benjamin Balderson on YouTube or Benjamin Balderson slash Odin's Alchemy on Rockfin. And it's free on the Rockfin. I was just a guest on the show and I did like two hours on a presentation on Cosmic Egg and uh, the Mysteries of the Holy Grail. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> Pretty awesome. I had a PowerPoint and everything. I felt good about it. 
Ben had fun. So watch out for his channel. I mean, everything he's doing is super good. The most recent episode he published on Odin's Alchemy was with Mitch, the organ donor, our other good friend. I love seeing our friend group grow. <laughs> and Mitch and Ben had a super deep chat where Ben brought a lot of electricity knowledge and that really helped ground the very etheric ideas that Mitch's technology or the Reiki technology brings to the to the conversation. So yeah, I probably will tell you about Odin's alchemy again next week after this episode is fully out because it was so good. Generally, I recommend just following Benjamin Botherson. He's great. He also had an episode with Marty Leeds pretty recently that was fun. And yeah, you just, we got an embarrassment of riches, a wealth of really wonderful content. Very excited about how hard it is to keep up with everything. And of course, I'm still doing Weaving Spiders. Welcome. It's actually Saturday night as I record this outro, which means in a couple hours, we weave. <laughs> we weave. We weave. Weaving Spiders, welcome on YouTube. I talk about this all the time because it is one of the highlights of my week to get together with the spider team and talk about whatever it is we've thought about over the course of the week. Never fails to disappoint. Never fails to generate way more synchronicities than seems reasonable or plausible really fun yeah wow that team is great so super super excited to get in there tonight with them if you're not following weaving spiders welcome on the youtubes i think they have an rss feed of their stuff too so just look for it somewhere it's worth it and i get in there for at least two to four hours most weekends <laughs> uh so oh another show i did was rising from the ashes and they're kind of a tartaria centric alternative history related show but we talked a lot about sound healing and electricity of the biofield in the body which does relate to the possible antiquitech that our not so distant ancestors might have been using with their organs and cathedrals and all that really fun i've been enjoying learning more about selfeggio lately and that's made it into a bunch of the conversations and selfeggio are the frequencies that I use for the tuning forks in my sound healing sessions. All that to say, if you would like to do sound healing with me, I would love to get that going. So you can email me chance at interversepodcast.com. Leave a comment somewhere. If it was too hard to remember my email address and you just want to like poke me about it, I'll get back to you. I'll find a way to schedule with you. If you just let me know on some channel, social media or something somewhere, but if you just go straight for the email or message me on Telegram directly or in the Telegram group, that'd be even easier and we'll make it happen. Um, hour long session, a lot can shift. I've been witnessing it with people every week and it's really, really great. Always generate synchronicities as well, especially when we get to pull a few cards after the sound healing and the cards will verify <laughs> whatever information that I told them I found going on in the field. So it's like, you get this validation at the end. That's really cool. And if you just want to do cards that get the spiritual guidance from a divination session with the I Ching and the tarot, and I use those together in a creative spread that gives a lot of context on unlocking some particular superpower in yourself or transcending some kind of blockage in yourself. Usually it tells you about a superpower more than anything. And I guess overcoming a heavy duty blockage is a superpower too. Yeah. So Divination sessions one-on-one -on -one, or sound healing sessions, or you could go 
yeah, the divination is usually 30 to 45 minutes, but you could combine sound healing with a full divination session after it for about a two hour, a little more probably length of time session with me. And that's where like, that's new. I haven't been doing combos yet until recently. And that is super great because we kind of hit it from the energy level and the mental plane simultaneously, which I feel would be very good for helping make the changes in the energy body shift and stick to the better configuration because you've taken care of, you know, the mindset you've changed the mindset. And so you change the mind, then the energy field and thus the body will follow. And if you just tweak the energy field, but the mindset then gets lost later, <laughs> you go kind of back to where you were. So it's more powerful, I think, to include the divination. But I guess if you really wanted to do like a two hour sound healing someday, we could do that too. Anyway, I, I talk about this all the time. Maybe it seems like shameless self-promotion, but you guys getting sessions with me, I know that it's helping. It helps me as the practitioner because like I'm sitting there in the tones. So you're kind of like, if you sign up for a session, you're healing me for an hour too. So thanks for that. But most importantly, it supports me. I mean, most importantly for me, I guess, most important for you is that it helps you. But most important for me is that being able to have this channel between us where I do the divination and sound healing for people that found me through my show is helping me stay focused on just my show and not have to do other types of work. And really, I want to be here just for healing and creating and speaking truth. <laughs> if uh, And of course, eating and exercising and making merry, I suppose that too. But you know, those three things are really my mission here on the realm. So help me help you. It's a win-win. I love it. Yeah. So that's enough about that, I suppose. But geez, guys, to get back to Jim Gale, could you please start making food for us? I'm going to do it too. I'm not just like bequeathing the task upon you without taking responsibility. I'm going to do it too. And what if like 10 years from now, all of us were so fucking smart at making permaculture food for us that without needing to go get a blueprint from Jim, we could just be out there like, all right, you people that are a decade behind us, but have been waking up, especially in Cootie's world, let's help you make your food for us. Hell, not 10 years from now, five years from now, we'll be so good at making food for us that we'll be helping all the normies who have become petty woo-woo people in the last five years do the same shift. And it's like the hundredth monkey effect. We can do this, guys. We can tap back in to our ancestral powers. And it starts with being self-reliant. And then it's just going to grow from there. The more self-reliant you are, the more powerful your, yourself becomes. And the more power you have to access probably is the same path that's going to lead us to reharnessing the electricity that's natural to the dimension or in the ether, like the Antiquitech is about. But first, we got to quit doing the dumb, like pointless jobs that just produce and consume the resources of the earth with no real, uh, no real point. And we can do a lot of commerce without fucking up the earth. And I'm not here to say that we're like, oh, you know, climate change, climate change. Obviously, they're ringing the alarm bells on that for a boogeyman. But it's true that we do like disharmonious stuff to the planet. We're like uh, involved with it. So <laughs> that's the dichotomy that kills me is that like people are that I know that there's a big agenda to push the environment, like the fake green agenda. I know that. I know that. But of course, like we could do way better with our balance in nature and like staying in that balance. 
So you know what I'm saying? Why am I like ranting about this? I've been talking 18 minutes. I should wrap it up. Other ways to support me though, that will support you back. If you check the notes, the show notes, the episode description, the links, or just my website under the shop tab, you can buy Interverse t-shirts, which I think soon we're going to expand the availability of t-shirts, maybe even put some catchphrases out there. Like if it ain't hell yes, it's hell no, something like that. Uh, the obstacles are the course, maybe. If you have any ideas for Interverse t-shirts, I'd love to know it. Or you just want to make some art for it, I'd pay you for it. So yeah, there's also the Clive DeCarl shop. Get your vitamin C, get your magnesium, get your fulvic acid, fulvic minerals, and many other things through that website. But definitely those big three, I highly recommend. Or zinc too. I mean, selenium, it's all good. Although selenium is easy if you just get organic Brazil nuts. I think that's all you really need to do. Those seem to effectively give you what you need. So there's that. Five to Carl shop. Really good shop. Costs you nothing extra to buy stuff through my link, but I get kickback, which is cool. It's a win-win. Those supplements are great. Since Clive was on months and months ago, I'm still not even through my second bottle of magnesium from him and I take a shitload of it. Still on the same bottle of fulvic minerals, still on the same bottle of iodine, like still on the same jug of vitamin C I got from back then. And I'm taking it all almost every day. So, and there's more than that. I actually have a bunch of his supplements. I'm just letting you know, the price you see on there reflects a large quantity, almost always like a three month or more supply of whatever it is you're looking at. And it's still like the cost of maybe a two month supply of some way cheaper uh, but less effective version you might get at the grocery store or the drug, the druggist, if you will. So big recommendation on the Clive DeCarl shop. I don't plug it enough. It's really important to get your vitamins and minerals right in the balance of your alchemical vessel. Really? I mean, that's the whole problem with the food that we need food for us to fix is that the food isn't giving us what we really need out of it because of destructive agriculture pro, uh, processes, as you probably know. And thirdly, there is a secret energy shop linked in my description, and there's more cleanse tools, metaphysical supplements, like, like way headier stuff that I don't know about all of it, but some things I've tried from there are definitely good. And I like vouch for the website as a whole, really amazing information, secret energy. I've been subscribed to their stream of consciousness for years. And some people even think I took the name Interverse from Seven Bomar because he has a thing called the Interversity. But the funny thing about that is I had no idea who Seven Bomar was. Secret Energy wasn't a thing yet. And on the seventh episode of Interverse, my guest told me about Seven Bomar, the guy who runs Secret Energy. So there's some synchronicity there because he then wound up starting a thing called the Interversity and uh, someday I would like to talk to him. If you know Seven and want to like ask him to do my show, big time would love that. <laughs> I've never quite been able to make contact. I'm sure a lot of people are. And I just don't worry about it. If that's the case, spirit will guide me with whoever I need to be vibing with. But I do like to hear from audience if there's someone they think they'd like me to talk to. Actually, Jim was recommended by multiple people. I was already thinking I wanted to talk to him, but I needed the reminder to get it and make it happen. So. You know, I do listen. <laughs> if there's some really awesome person you want me to talk to, please hit hit me up about that. Chance at interversepodcast.com. That's where you hit me up for anything that you might want. I mean, I'm not trying to flood myself with emails here, but 
I do want to get some sessions going. I do like to have some back and forth, although Telegram's better for back and forth communication for me. I'm way more ready, able to respond to it. Anyway, enough jibber jabber. I should wrap this up. I'm going to play a song by Cadella called Give It All for the outro. And again, if you just listen to the RSS feed of the show, that's cool. But you missed the fun graphics I make, like the trippy kaleidoscopic visualizers that I put as the backdrop for the episodes and for the outro music. You see it full screen and it's all like, whoa, I think. I don't know. I think it's cool. So, yeah, that's it. Give it all. by Cadella. And yeah, you know what it is. All the links are in the show notes to everything I just blabbered about. Much love. I love you all for listening and for being who you are. But like, I love you extra more for listening because it means that we're connected in a much deeper way than just the, well, okay. Like spirit was like, yo, we're all connected. It doesn't even matter if they're listening. Yeah, that's true. But it feels good (laughs) that we're connecting on the external through this channel of technology. Yeah. So you guys are the best. Much, much love. I will talk to you soon. There's so much coming up that's good. And uh, bye-bye.